Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. And um, if you've got your Bible, please open straight up to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 5 today. My assignment is to share a message I've called, The Best Way to Live. The Best Way to Live. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation today. And um, if you don't have that translation, it should be up on the screens for you. I'm going to read a big chunk today, just 20 verses. I might stop at a few moments and then we'll see what the Lord says. Verse 1, Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. The first three chapters uh, have a lot of um, uh, information and indication of who God is and what He has done for us. The last half of this book is rather instructive as well, tells us what to do. Uh, tells us how we can live in freedom, but also refers back to God's goodness and what He's done in us. So pay attention to that. Chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because... Everybody say, because. Because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Let's stop there for a moment. Who is Paul writing to? Christians or not Christians? Okay, so we could imagine that this could be written to us. So what is written to us, God is saying, through the penmanship of the Apostle Paul, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you. These sins have no place among God's people. What about this one? Obscene stories... Foolish talk and coarse jokes. Amen or ouch? These are not for you. Instead, so there's a replacement. Instead of these things, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure no immoral, impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Let's read on, verse 6. This is important. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins 
For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Let's not make excuses for sin. Don't be fooled by other people just trying to excuse away sin. Because we as God's children, we don't need to mix with this. We don't need to live like this. That's not who we are. Verse 7, don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, there's that word again, instead. Expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Verse 18, an important verse, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word, we thank you for your spirit, and Lord, we ask that our hearts would be ready and willing to receive what it is that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe in these verses we get a, a very uh, a clear blueprint on the best way to live, the best way to live. And I've just got three things, I like things in threes and fours. Um, the first thing, the best way to live, for those that are taking notes, is very importantly, we, we've got to live from revelation. We've got to start there. We have to start off with the revelation that we are His children. We're His children. Did you know that you're, his, you're one of His kids? When He looks at you, He smiles. If you're one of His kids, He loves you. He can't help but see you through His Son, Jesus, as you are right now. Oh, yeah, but pastor, you don't know the things that go through my head. You don't know the things that come out of my mouth. You don't know the things that I get up to, the things that I do. Be that as it may, he loves you. He's for you. The mistakes you make now, do you know he loved you in advance knowing that you'd still make those mistakes? Your mess-ups, your mishaps, he knew about it in advance. He still chose you because he loves you. It's his decision. And we've got to remember that as His children, we have Him living in us. Colossians 1.17 tells us that uh, we have Christ in us, the hope of glory in us. Right now, we have Jesus living within us. Catch this. 
It says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on those who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. I was talking to a successful friend uh, just yesterday. Um, we were catching up and he does really well in business. And he was talking about um, business partners that he's had over the years. And he was also talking to me about how the people he feels that have ripped him off the most are some Christians. And I said, really? And he, he actually had an issue about it. Have you ever had an issue with other Christians and they leave a really bad taste in your mouth because of their conduct, how they've treated you? Sometimes it could be because they're just rat bags. Maybe it's because we hold them to a higher standard. That's something we've got to work out with the Lord. This conversation, he says, you know, I'm not sure actually if a lot of Christians are, are, are true Christians. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, um, sometimes I think people behave like Christians because it's, they think it's the right thing to do. They put their hands as high as anyone else and we think that they're really good saints. But when we actually, rubber hits the road and something comes up, we see what comes out of their mouths and the decisions that they make. And it lets everyone off and it rips lots of people off, he says. He is, as he would put, probably on the bad side of these relationships with certain Christians. So as we were talking, I said, okay, so what is it then? He says, well, I think it's better for people to not say they're Christians at all. Because unless they ha if they really do have this relationship with a God, then something will happen inside their hearts. And I thought, geez, what a true word I have just heard. How often is it that we tend to focus so much on the external behavior modification and we miss out on the internal, the heart transformation? I've got to be careful as a father with, with three amazing, boisterous, sassy, loving girls. I want to, as a father, teach them how to live. I want to help them. I want to model to them. But at the end of the day, if their hearts are unregenerate, they're just behaving in a certain way. There's no point in trying to produce a fruit if the root is not healthy. Because all we're doing is we're manufacturing a works of the flesh. People that don't know Jesus can behave as Christians can behave, but it's only the heart that gets transformed. And that's got to be a work of the Spirit of God. So the revelation for us is, is that we are His children we are, by His grace, we are saved, sanctified and set free. And we've got to let that revelation change then how we live. So at the very base for us, the best way to live is by revelation that we have been saved and set free. We are set apart. We are sanctified, justified, glorified right now. Not just because of what we've done, but because of what He's done and who He is. So how do we live well? Get back to that place. Lord, reveal yourself again to me. Reveal the power of the cross. Reveal to me the beauty of your presence. The love. Lord, I've drifted. I've erred. I've somehow, I've lived a life of works-based righteousness, which is like filthy rags. Andrew Fisher recently spoke about the, um, the father with the prodigal son and the son that stayed at home. The reality is both of those sons did not truly know the heart of the father. One was a rebellious sinner. The other one was a religious sinner. 
the son that went off and he was, and he was wasting his money and, and he thought the father would be really angry with him and wouldn't want him back. He didn't understand the heart of the father. But the other son that was left home, he couldn't work it out. He said, I've been striving. I've been working hard for you all this time. How could you do this? It was works-based. And truth be told, I found myself in either or both camps at times. But God, our Heavenly Father, is better than we think He is. Lord, remind me again, reveal Yourself, Your true nature to me, that it would help me live better. Let's check out Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read two verses and you can keep your finger in there. We'll come back to it in a bit. It says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Okay, so what's he saying there? Work hard to show that you're really saved. But the following verse is the, is the, is the really important one. For, or because, God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. It's God who works in us. God does the work. God's working in you, brother. God's working in you, sister. At the times you struggle, have you ever struggled in life and you just want to do the the wrong thing? You know it's the wrong thing to do, but you just want to do it. You just want to sin. You want to say that thing you know you shouldn't say. (laughs) Am I the only one? I've got a lot of halos above heads today. What do I do? Hey, Lord, I'm really struggling at the moment. I actually really want to, I want to do the wrong thing here. Well, Bible tells me that God works in me and He gives me the desire. So then I say, Lord, I need to help me work on this heart of mine. Lord, help me to desire to do what's right. Because if my heart doesn't want to do wrong, I'm not going to do it. But if my heart wants to obey and trust, it's so much easier to do the right thing. By revelation. Second thing we need, we, so we, the best way to live is from revelation. The second thing is with intention. With intention. It's the Lord calling. That's an amen. He's saying, listen to this point. The best way to live is not by accident. It's like a a relational reflection. (laughs) But we've got to be intentional with it. So we have the revelation that God is in us. He is with us. He's doing the work from within. But Paul tells us we've got to make some decisions here. Check this out. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly patients will be exposed when the light shines on everything visible. 15, so be careful how you live. Don't live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, right? Act mindfully with intention. Understand what the Lord do. So he's saying this, make a decision. 
to live for him. Make a decision. Understand, discern what God is saying. If we're not intentional with following Jesus, um, we'll be following the most popular voice that we can listen to, the, um, the best movies, the best songs, and the enemy then uses mediums like this to disciple us away from Christ because we are not being intentional with keeping our eyes on Him. So He is the author and the perfecter of our faith, the beginning and the end, and we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus and not be hindered or sidetracked. If ever there was noise in the world, it's right now. I went on Facebook um, just to have a look at um, uh, what my options were if I ever wanted to change my gender allocation. I'm, I'm being serious. I just, I, just, I just wanted to have a look and see what, what Dr. Facebook would say. Do you know my options? <laughs> my options. So I can be male or I can be female, but I can also be non-binary. I can also be agender. I can also be androgyne. I can also be, be androgynous. I can choose to be bigender. I can choose to be cis. I can, if I want to, opt to be cis female, cis male, cis man, cis woman, cis gender. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. Don't get me in, then in the pronouns, the, the, the her, the him, the they, the she, the her, the them. It's, it's ridiculous. I mean, that's the world that we're living in. The world is confused. And many people have very good intentions about this, but the enemy doesn't. And the enemy is using naivety to try and pull us away from the image of God. The conversations, for example, around um, gender shouldn't be a difficult one. If, if we are Bible-believing Christians, it's clear. God has created us in His image. The Bible says male and female. He doesn't say cis woman, transgender, non-binary. He doesn't say that. We are confusing that. We can, why are we confused? Because we are confused. The world is confused. The world doesn't know up from down, left from right, right top from bottom, black or white. But the Bible tells us in advance these sorts of things will happen. And this is an affront onto the intention, the plan, the purpose, the design of the Almighty God who created us in His image. Now, if we then get a distortion of, of who we are, then there is a distortion about who God is. That's why we've got, to, we, we, we've got to stick to what we believe the Bible is saying on this matter. This is just one example of the confusion that's in the world. We've got to be intentional with this. And if we don't call things out, if we don't accept the challenge I have is, well, I want to win the loss at whatever the cost. I don't want to lose people. In I want to be a good witness. So where do I draw the line? How do I manage the tension to win my neighbor or my business friend? And I want to share Christ. I want to preach the gospel, but I, want to, I don't want to lose them in the conversation around gender fluidity or around political ideology, or around woke theology. I, I don't want to lose them. Where do I draw the line? And that's something we have got to work with God on. Because I, personally, I think 
We have the Spirit that speaks through the Word, and we can't veer from this. But how we package that and our methodology is something we've got to work with God on. Importantly, as a believer, I don't want to be known what I'm opposed to. I want to be known for who I stand with, and I stand with Christ. And so my question, brothers and sisters, is how can we make Christ seen, experienced, without losing people in the process? One thing I do know, though, is that I can't compromise. And dare I say that in God's church, there is a lot of compromise. There's a lot of compromise in God's family. I remember when I was um, at university studying, the conversation would constantly get around alcoholism, getting drunk and getting girls. That's what it was. It was all about alcohol abuse and going to parties and that people would always be talking about shacking up with people. Even as I made a mature decision to follow Christ, I still saw those conversations around about me and it would affect and even infect my mind. So important for us to realise that the environment that we're placed in often determines what goes on upstairs. It, um, it persuades us, it influences us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, I think it says that bad company corrupts good character. In fact, just before that, it says, don't be misled, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So what we're instructed to as God's children, living by His revelation, also with intention, be mindful intentionally about the people that are around about us, the conversations that we're listening to, not just what we're seeing on our phones, not just what we're watching on the TV or the magazines or the books that we're reading, the articles that we're reading, but the very company that we keep. Be intentional. I found that even as a believer with my mates at footy, when I was playing at footy, all their conversations would change how I would think. About, when I went to the footy club, you know, it was within one week they had a ladies' night where what they do is they bring in a stripper or two and they bring in the booze after training. And I said, mate, I'm married. And one bloke goes, well, so am I. And he took his wedding ring off. I said, I'm out. I had to leave. I couldn't do, the, I couldn't do training those nights anymore. That's the world we live in. Am I going to get up in arms about that particular person? Well, that person doesn't know Jesus. That person is living as the world lives. But I tell you what, if there were Christians living like that, particularly if I was in a relationship with them, I'd be saying something. What I don't understand a lot of the time is how the behaviours of the world corrupt and infect, like a cancer, God's people and God's family. The very conversation around sex outside of marriage, for example, is a big one. The statistics are quite damning for God's children who live very similar lives to those out there when it comes to sexual immorality and sexual promiscuity. Sex outside of the safety, sanctity and the security of marriage is not what God wants. It's sinful. And we can come up with whatever excuse we want. Well, I'm going to marry that person. I intend to be with that person anyway. I, no, it's, it's not on. It's not okay. Now, 
am I here to say, well, I'm going to look down? No, but I'm going to talk biblically. What does, what does God want for His children and why does He want it? Well, he wants His best for us. He wants His children to experience life in its fullest. And to experience life in fullness, it's things like that. And can I just say, this is not just applicable to young kids. This is older people too. You can be 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. The rule still, still, the standard still applies. Amen or ouch? It's pretty clear though. I mean, that's just one example. What about stealing? What about greed? The things that are harder to put our fingers on. Greed. We can, I can be greedy sometimes because that's a sin of the heart that it's hard for others to see. What about jealousy? What do we do with that one? What about envy? What about fear? See, God's children, we, we are called to not live like this, but by the Holy Spirit, remember the revelation who's within us, overcome. Well, we've got to be intentional. Are you still with me? From revelation, with intention, and the final thing, by impartation. By impartation. By impartation. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5, it says... Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18 says, don't be drunk with wine, which will ruin your life. Your version might say debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. I love this verse so much. So what is he doing? Paul is saying, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It might seem a little bit uh, out there. Hang on a second. Why is he connecting the two? Being drunk with, with wine or alcohol and then talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would he do that? Now, Paul's no slouch. He's, he's an incredibly intelligent, articulate man. He, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's well-crafted letters. I mean, they're just brilliant. So, when he says this in a letter, there is intention with what he's saying. He is comparing alcohol and being drunk with alcohol, being controlled by alcohol, being filled with the Spirit. In my earlier years, I had an issue with alcohol. Um, I used to go to parties, I used, I used to get drunk, I used to drink and, and really I, I did it probably because a lot of my mates at uni were doing it so I thought I'd do it as well. And one thing I know is that um, when I had too much alcohol, when I had it in excess, it would start to take over. It would take over my thinking It would ta- and the the, the it was like I would become a bit of a different person. For those that have been drunk with alcohol, you, maybe you understand what I'm saying. 
And what I think Paul's saying is, you need to understand, whatever fills you will control you. If you fill yourself with alcohol, it eventually controls you. We do not make our best decisions when we're drunk with alcohol, that I can tell you. Not only does it destroy brain cells, it's not good for your body, and our bodies are temples. It actually changes the way that we live. And so Paul says, don't do that. It's not good for you. It's, it's, it's debauchery. It'll, it'll wreck your lives. It'll ruin your life. Don't do that, but instead replace that drunken stupor with a drunken of the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. In fact, that word where it says, uh, be filled, that word be filled is pleruste. That's the original in the Greek. Pleruste, which means to keep being filled, to continually being filled. So it's not just a once-off. It's live in a space where you're continually being filled. You're continually, continually being saturated. You're continually being controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's not just a once-off off experience. It's continual. Imagine, um, I'll draw your attention to this uh, container here. And I've got a, a, just a, just an old dry sponge. Okay, it's dry. It's like us, before Jesus, we're suckers. We're dried out. Now, what happens is, um, when we come to Christ, we are baptized into Him and into the body. And what happens is, um, the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And we are forever changed. We are forever marked. You can see that, can't you? You see that? It's no longer dry and white anymore. We have the Holy Spirit living us. And we, have, we are in Him. He is in us. But what Paul says is, as you were saved, you have already received the Holy Spirit. He's saying, live a life where you continually are filled. So when we are filled or we are saturated with the Holy Spirit, it's, it's like, it's not that we get more of God. It's more a case of God gets hold of more of us. And he says, I want you to be filled. I want you to be saturated by the Holy Spirit, like dripping. That's, that's what he's saying. I want you to be like this. And so over time, though, as we live our lives, sin gets hold of us, trials get hold of us, and at times we can, in a sense, let go of God in us and us of Him, and then we still have Him in us. But He's saying, as this happens in your life, keep being filled, keep being, keep coming to live in this space of continual dunking. That's what He's saying. We can't, though, we can't say, Lord, here I am. I'm mindful of this red food dye going everywhere, which is why I'm keeping it very close to the bucket, okay? <laughs> um, we can't, though, say, hey, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I want to be filled with your spirit, but I'm, I'm not going to let go of everything. I'm going to hold on to a lot of things for myself. We haven't really fully surrendered, and we're coming, and we're expecting, oh, God, fill me with your spirit. Because really we're not properly filled. And so Paul says to us, keep being filled. Keep being filled every day, all the time. Well, how do we know that we're, how do we know that we're filled with the Spirit? I can tell you that when someone is filled with the Spirit, they look different, 
They sound different. I mean, all, read all through Acts. Particularly, they observe lots of speech. They, they preach with boldness. They prophesied. They spoke in other tongues. People can tell when you're full of the Holy Spirit. That you, you can just tell when someone's full of the Holy Spirit. One of the signs we'll see is, is speaking in other tongues. But just because you hear someone speak in tongues in that moment does not mean that they are full of the Holy Spirit in that moment. That's just a sign that you were once filled with the Holy Spirit and then you were given a gift that enabled you. Because you can speak in other tongues and behave like an absolute jerk. But if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you'll be behaving like an absolute jerk. Because one of the key signs of being full of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is you look and sound just like Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to point us to Jesus and to make us like Him. Check out Luke chapter 4, right? Jesus was led into the wilderness at the beginning of the chapter. He was led into the wilderness and he was led, he was tempted by Satan. He didn't eat, so he was hungry, but he left full of the Holy Spirit. And we see this uh, juxtapositioning of being empty and full at the same time. I love that paradox in the kingdom of God where you can be empty and full at the same time. And when Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, what did he do? You see that great passage from Luke chapter 4, 16 to 18. And he just said, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, quoting from Isaiah chapter 61. People are like, who is this guy speaking with such authority? That's an evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. My question, brothers and sisters, are you full of the Holy Spirit? Not once were, not were you once living in that space. I can tell you that the times that I've really struggled in my life, I said, I need you, Lord. Fill me with your Spirit. Because that is a command that Paul says. Don't be drunk with wine. Don't be given over to such things. Give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. And what's going to happen after that? What, 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 what's another onflow, it says? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be continually filled. We see that play ruse they come up. If you like word studies, check out in the New Testament. It's really interesting. Here's one example, Acts 13, 52, um, in reference. Similarly, it says, and the disciples, in the NASB it says it, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. What's the best way to live? I need impartation. I need constant, continual, refreshing impartation from God Himself. I need it. I need revelation. Yeah. I need intention. But I need impartation. I don't know about you, but there are times I just need a dose of the ghost. (laughs) I just need the Holy Ghost. I need Him. Um, Unfortunately, gets overlooked and missed by us. I think sometimes in Pentecostal circles... um, we, we misrepresent God and the Holy Spirit, but I also think in God's family, in God's economy, even in our churches, we overlook the precious person of the Trinity, that is the Holy Spirit, the very presence, the person of God in us, with us now. He is someone, he is a person, by the way, Acts chapter, uh, excuse me, um, Ephesians chapter 4, if you read from around about verse 30, Bible tells us, 
um, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. He can be grieved. So don't live in a way that grieves. Live in a way that pleases. Um, Pastor John, can I have those two those two cans just there? Does anyone like Sprite? Anyone like Sprite? Any kids want a drink of Sprite? Is that Nathaniel there? Hey, Nathaniel, come here. You want a drink? Come here. I'll use you as, a, as an ill. He's shy. Who wants to drink some Sprite? You want some Sprite, Belle? Who put their hand up before? I told you we should have got Coke. I told you Coke would have worked. Does he want to come? No, the one in the back there. Hey, come here. All right. Nathaniel, do you like, do you like Sprite? Okay, you can tell your dad I'm taking care of you. Come here, bro. Come here. All right. Now, this is, the, the, this is not the actual... I just need half of this gone. Oh. So just drink about half of this before we start, okay? If you're going to burp, I'll, I'll put the microphone up because you can... I'm going to show you something. Yeah, go for it. You like it? You're doing great. Your dad's going to be so proud of you. <laughs> All right, that'll do. Okay, now stay there. No, you, you can take it with you. Just now, now, the illustration hasn't started yet, by the way. I just needed half the can gone. Okay. All right, so listen. This is what I want you to do, right? Imagine that this... Hold this up so everyone can see. Imagine that this is us right? We've got the Holy Spirit living in us, but when pressure comes, when trial comes and puts, I mean, what happens? The can's getting crushed, isn't it? Right? The can's getting crushed. Do you ever feel like this sometimes in life? Like a crushed can. But, here, let, let, let me try something. Hold this. Try and crush that. Can you? You can't, can you? Yeah. Shake it all you want. I didn't say drop it. Did you do that on purpose? Told you should have got Coke. Oh, no, look, okay, so here's the thing. You did good, mate, you did good. You kind of reckon my illustration now by throwing that on the floor. Can you see where I'm going with this though? Okay. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, we can't be crushed. We can't be broken down. Unless we get thrown to the ground. Yes, very good. Let's put our hands together for Nathaniel. Hang on, take this with you. Yeah, take that with you. Tell your dad you did great. No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I love you. I've got to use you next time. Thanks, mate. Now, I don't know how you're feeling, right? Last three, four, maybe five years, I've, <laughs> I feel like I've been crushed a little bit. I feel like um, sometimes I've been between a half can of Sprite, but a full can of Sprite. Now, at times that I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm half a can, I feel like I'm getting kicked around a little bit and squashed and pressed and all that. Say, God, I need you. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. Fill me to the top. Fill me to overflowing. 
And it's in those moments and in those seasons I feel like, I feel like I'm still full of joy and the peace and the love. I feel in a sense somewhat indestructible, but it's, it's got to be the grace of God. Have you ever felt like that before? That there are seasons which it, do, it, do, it does not compute, it doesn't make sense, but you've still got the dunamis, you've still got the power, you've still got the strength, you've still got the grace, the charis of God because of His infilling. That's the beauty of impartation. That no matter what happens, see the disciples, they were, they were professing Christ until they died. They wouldn't deny Him. This morning I just felt to encourage us about a, about a fresh infilling. A fresh infilling, a reminder to live in this space being full of the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? How, how, how do I get full of the Holy Spirit? I'm a practical guy. I always want to know. <laughs> First thing, as I often say, is just empty yourself of yourself. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, you're so full of yourself? It's not usually a compliment. Have you ever said to someone, you're so full of yourself? You're not trying to compliment someone when, <laughs> when you say that. That person's so full of herself, so full of himself. You're not patting them on the back. It's a bad thing. But we can all get like that sometimes, where we're full of ourselves. And so, first thing we do is surrender and let go. The second thing is ask God to fill us. Say, Lord, I need you. I surrender. I give you full control. Saturate me. Fill me. See, just being empty is no guarantee that He will fill, though. Because it's not the empty that He fills, it's the hungry. In the same way, it's not just the dry that He quenches it's the thirsty so you can be empty but still not really want God you've got to want him you've got to say please Lord fill me I need you I can't do this without you this mountain is too big this task is too great this season is too difficult I need you I need a fresh impartation I need a new infilling I thank you for the previous season but the one I'm in now I need you again afresh we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.